1: Gospel Tangents is supported by users like you. Please support us at gospeltangents.com or on Patreon. It's the best source for Mormon history, science, and theology, and first daily Mormon history podcast. I'm Rick Bennett. I'm excited to continue our conversation with Josh Gailey, an evangelist and author from The Church of Jesus Christ based in Monongahela, Pennsylvania. He's the author of Witnessing Miracles, and we're going to talk more about his book, as well as we're going to dive into church structure and his church actually allows women to be ordained. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. You won't want to miss this conversation. Well, let's let's go into a few other things here. Um, I'd like to kind of dive a little bit more into your church. Um, we've, we've definitely been talking about our, our similarities here. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit about um, similarities and differences. Um, great, great. So in your church, you serve as an evangelist. I do. And— when I, I spoke to you earlier, you have seventy evangelists. And so, of course, in the LDS church we have a quorum of seventy. Yes. Um so it sounds like you would be a, a seventy. We we would call you a 70 in our church.
0: That would be very comparable. That's we don't use that phrasing really. We do have a quorum of seventy. It is our evangelists. Um and for us that is the the tip of the spear on the missionary efforts around the world for the church, okay, are, are the evangelists and the Quorum of Seventy are the overseers of of those projects? So
1: just one Quorum of Seventy, correct. correct? Okay, because um, I'm trying to remember, Well, let, let's let, let's talk a little bit about church structure. Yeah. So um, you have, a, would you you have a president of your church? Would you call him a prophet? We do not. Okay,
0: although we. You know this gets a little away from structure, but we do believe the gift of prophecy is active and alive and throughout the church. Mm-hmm. You will see both apostles and members under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit say thus saith the lord and and give the word of the lord and sometimes those are prophetic utterances, and so that is not limited in the church to a specific role. We would maybe humbly make the argument that even scripturally you know. Isaiah was not necessarily a you know leader of the church but he was a prophet and so we have room for the gift of prophecy throughout the church but it's not necessarily restricted to a specific office and I know that is definitely a difference okay and that's something unique maybe to us our presidency then to your point is this is something we changed after the death of Joseph Smith, and and in the 1800s, we came about with a change, and the change was our quorum of 12 is—the presidency is within the quorum of 12. So we only have 12 apostles, and those 12—the presidency is a functioning unit within the 12.
1: Okay, so the first presidency—so rather, like in our church, we've got 12 plus 3. Plus 3. You've just got 12. We've got 12 plus— Zero, <laughs> <laughs> and so the uh, the first presidency are also apostles. Correct, because I know in, or I believe I'm pretty sure this is true. In the community of Christ, uh, their first presidency doesn't necessar- is not necessarily an apostle.
0: Okay, okay, that is very different. Yeah, our our presidency are all apostles. That's okay. that is that's our pool. When it comes to the ministry, uh, electing a president or a, a counselor, that, that is the only available options are our Quorum of Twelve Apostles.
1: Okay. And then do they serve for a set term or is it a lifetime appointment?
0: Used to be, well, it's always been elected. Okay. So it has always So they actually been, have a vote? Yeah, always had a vote. And it's not always,
1: unanimous like in my church? Uh, <laughs> it doesn't have to be unanimous. Okay. okay
0: it doesn't have to be. Um, it. I, I don't know that I've ever seen it. I've never seen it in my life although I have been in the ministry for 15 years so it's not that's not a, a, a long, long time. time okay to to qualify that but I've never seen it not unanimous in the church so it, okay. but it doesn't have to be that is not a criteria at all so um every 2 years we elect our president and our counselors okay and then the quorum of 12 selects and elects their own a quorum of 12 president within their body. So, um, at this time we made a change a few years ago where the president would serve two years up to a total of eight. And there is an option if the quorum of 12, like makes a recommendation for an additional two up to 10. Oh, So that's, that would be. So you got term limits, huh? Technically do. So technically we do. Yeah. It's and it partly Congress is Congress could use that. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> I think Congress could learn a lot from my church. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, cool. All right. So uh Professors, so every two
0: years he gets elected again, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and can he I guess he could step down for health reasons. It could, is a he.
0: Could step down at any time, is a he. Our ordained priesthood, our ministry, we would consider the elders. Evangelists and apostles of our church, and so those those are all male.
1: Okay, now you do have, we should add, women who can be ordained as a teacher, which is a priesthood office. Now you don't make it a deaconess,
0: a deacon. deacon. Oh, I thought it
1: was a teacher as well.
0: No, oh, it's only a deaconess. Correct. I mean, women teach in our Sunday school classes. They do teach, you know, young people, youth classes. Around the church, but it, they're not ordained into the office of teacher. The or, only ordained office we have for women in the church is the office of deaconess. We find that in Romans chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. Paul is commending Phoebe, my daughter's name, Phoebe. Okay. And Paul's commending Phoebe. She was extending the church and allowing them to hold the church meetings in her home under great distress and persecution. And Paul commends her, and he calls her, and he uses the word diaconeo, and the word there is the same that you would find in Acts chapter 6 when they call the deacons. So that's our scriptural reference point to say the New Testament church had had both male and female deacons. And okay. so we have, basically, it's the same office. We give different roles, you know, but it's the same office. So we, we have ordained deaconesses in the church, and it's a beautiful office of service and love.
1: Do they administer only to women or to men and women as well?
0: Well, their, their roles, the, the role of deacon in the church and deaconess in the church is a serviceable role throughout the congregation. They are maintaining and doing a lot of the natural affairs. If you remember in Acts chapter 6, there's, there's dispute over some of, a hey, who's going to visit the widows? Who's going to take care of this need? We need to be in the Word of God. We need to be preaching the Word. How do we, how do we maintain this growth? How do we handle this situation? And the office of deacon gets created. So for us, a lot of the of the support to the ministry comes through the deacons and deaconesses that are taking roles and responsibilities from the ministry. They're never laying on hands on anybody or administrating any of the church ordinances in that way. But they're taking some of the load off the ministry, so that we can be more free to preach the word of God and service our sheep, our membership, and evangelize the church around the world. And without our deacons and deaconesses, we wouldn't have as much freedom to do that. So okay, so but so they so they can't do any laying on of hands. They're not laying on hands. They're not baptizing. They're not serving the Lord's supper but they're doing a lot of the background spiritual and natural things that help keep the engine going.
1: Okay. And that could be for men or women or. or
0: yeah. Men. Yeah. So we ordain both males and females. We, we call them deacon and deaconesses, but it's in the new Testament church. It's the same word. It's diacaneo.
1: Okay. And so you don't make a distinction like we do in our church or with a Melchizedek and Aaronic priesthood. It's just the priesthood. Correct.
0: So oh. when, yeah, it, Sorry Rick it's a great question like in Acts or Acts in Alma 12 and Alma 13 we see one priesthood after the order of the son of god that's how we read that scripture when Alma's talking about the holy priesthood after the order of the son of god and when i read through the whole book of mormon i never find a place where i see two priesthoods functioning and this is a difference and i i'm saying this in all in all respect but for us i don't read the book of mormon and find any place where i see two priesthoods functioning at the same time period i can see priests and prophets and leaders throughout the text but i never see a delineation of role and responsibility within the body at the same time to say no there's two layers to this we we don't i don't see that and i would argue i don't see that in the book of acts Either And our church and our structure is trying to follow, that's our fourth article of our faith and doctrine, is to try and follow the New Testament church in as close as we possibly can. So whether that's in Corinthians or in Ephesians chapter 4, where it says there's apostles, prophets, evangelists, elders, teachers, for the work of the ministry and for the pe- perfecting of the saints. And he even says in in 4.13, he says, till we come under the measure of a perfect man in the fullness of the stature of... So it's meant to be prophetically the structure of the church until Christ returns. That's Ephesians 4.13. We believe we have that structure. We don't believe that there's layers of multiple priesthoods within that structure. It's just not something we read into the text. We do recognize that there was a man named Melchizedek who was in the ministry. We do recognize that there were Levites who were in the ministry, but those are different time periods, not different layers within the same time. That's our interpretation mm-hmm. of that for what it's worth.
1: Yeah. So um, for some reason, I thought you had the office of teacher as well. We so do have the office of teacher. Is that a priesthood
0: position? It's, we do consider it part of the priesthood. We do have the office of teacher. It's a male ordained office. Oh. Find it in the New Testament. Find it in—even uh, and even find it in the Book of Mormon, right? There are— Ordained teachers in the Book of Mormon um and so we we do believe it's a an office of the church, and we have that it is this is a group they don't baptize per se they're not administrating the ordinances um they're not laying on of hands, but we do consider them part of the ministry that's the same ministry that I uphold, but with different responsibility
1: okay, yeah, so one of the coolest things and I'm so glad I attended your church um because you know we can have these conversations but sometimes you don't think even to ask something until right, totally. somebody says something
0: really weird or <laughs> you know yeah you hear something different yeah. yeah and so i
1: i went with steve and we went i guess it was force hills branch there in florida and a woman in the congregation came up to me and of course i said i was lds and she told me that she had attended an lds baptism and she was really surprised that they baptize at age eight, that the LDS baptized at age eight. Right. And, and I was like, well, of course, we guess we need to get into the doctrine and covenants. Whoops. And, um, and and so I was like, well, that's in the doctrine and covenants. (laughs) And we're like, well, we don't have that. (laughs) So I guess there's another, another big difference. Yeah. Um, I swear the 70 is also in the doctrine of covenants too but so I'd be curious w- where that comes from but but the the Luke point, chapter 10 Luke chapter 10 okay we'll get there in just a second but it was so interesting um because in your church you don't have we would say the age of accountability is age 8 and um you just say you don't you typically don't baptize somebody until they're at least a teenager and often a late you know, 18, 19, 20-year-old, almost adult. And it's only when they say, I feel ready. I feel called or whatever. Exactly, so, exactly so that was right. very yeah. interesting to me because I was like, oh, you thought that was weird? That's normal for us. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And so in the Doctrine and Covenants, in our Doctrine and Covenants, uh, a priest can baptize, whereas an elder can uh, lay on of hands. Is that the same in your church?
0: Yeah, so for our church, as far as administrating any of the ordinances or laying on of hands, that's going to be the ministry w- and in that we would view that as the elders, evangelists, and apostles that are administrating all of those ordinances and are the overseers of the flock so elders,
1: evangelists, and apostles, mm-hmm. okay, yeah,
0: so when it comes to age of accountability, that's something we would probably respectfully disagree on mm-hmm. and have discussion on. We both read Mormon's words, right of don't baptize little children infants yeah there's probably no question in my church we would look at an 8-year-old as a little child we just would now okay. you view that as a little bit more ready we we do not we right. we don't baptize an 8-year-old child um, for the
1: youngest would probably be about 12 is that right 12 would be that's probably really pushing it 12 too.
0: would be the discussion point of like if they asked we would be honestly as a ministry asking ourselves Are they really understanding repentance? Have we really seen the fruit of repentance? Because the plan of salvation, of course, we've laid out what the gospel is, which brings about the plan of redemption. And the plan of redemption is based on faith, repentance, and baptism, as laid out in both the Bible and Book of Mormon. And so with that being said, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So you have to hear the gospel message as it's declared in purity, spirit, and in truth, as given to us so clearly in 3 Nephi 27, you hear the message, you go, I believe. I believe in the Lord. I believe he died to save my sins and redeem me at the last day. And if you believe that and you're convicted in your heart and you feel the spirit of repentance, and repentance in the Hebrew means to turn, right? It's turning your back to your previous life of sin and facing the Lord. And so repentance is that turning. That's what we would question at the young age is, and the ministry would need to be united at, at a local level of, yes, this child or this young per. I'm going to rephrase it to this young person, understands and has felt, and we see the fruits of the spirit of repentance upon them. They're ready to make a lifelong covenant with their master and come to the waters of regeneration which for us would only occur in an open body of living water. Oh, there's another one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We just had two baptisms last week. My heart was torn in two because uh, we were here in Utah, which is wonderful. But back at my home branch, uh, the Sunday before, a beautiful experience. We work a lot with our young people. We do a lot of inner city work in the Erie branch of the church where I'm from. And in our inner city work, we do clothing giveaways. We've done a lot of of outreach, and we're blessed— with a nice congregation of Congolese refugees. And so we work with our young people there, and it's a, we're a fun, dynamic branch. If you want to hear some Swahili uh, and some singing in some foreign languages of African languages and prayers in French, come to my branch. Okay, <laughs> wow. we, We're dynamic, and it's, it's beautiful. It's, we're, it's fun. It's fun. And we have a great group of young people. And two of our young people asked... Uh, the last Sunday I was in Erie before sh- shipping off here to be with you, and beautiful experience young man was testifying about how the Lord spared him. Somebody in the inner city pulled a gun on him, and mm-hmm. the Lord held him silent. The Lord spared his life, and he stood up, and the spirit of repentance was all over him, and the gift of tongues was spoken, and oh. the interpretation was, "I spared you, saith the Lord, will you serve me and I'll tell you. I've worked, as you know, we're charismatic. We believe in the gifts mm-hmm. of the spirit and we believe they're alive in our church. So I've grown up having the gift of tongues in congregations and believing in that gift. When our brother was speaking in tongues, I've never felt this before. I felt like in 3 Nephi, when the Lord speaks in 3 Nephi 11, when the Lord speaks and they don't understand the words, but it, it says that it cut them to the center and their spirit was burning. I felt that. And JP, when he asked for it, he felt that. He felt that. That went right into us from the Lord. And JP felt the call. And actually after the service, he asked for his baptism and his sister shortly followed. So this last Sunday, we were up here with our members that we have here. We had a wonderful meeting out here with our little group that's in the Utah greater area. And Salt Lake City, greater area. And when we were out here, I, I was getting pictures all morning. JP and Marcy in the waters of Lake Erie is beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs>
1: it's going to be freezing cold, though. Yeah. <laughs> it is freezing
0: cold. My first baptism I performed, we had chainsaws out and we cut through 18 inches of ice. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Because
1: it has to be in open body of water. We do an open body of water. Yeah. And why? Because don't the people Lord. Wait
0: till it gets warm. Well, <laughs> there there were pools available to Jesus. The pool of Siloam was available to Jesus. He chose to be baptized in a filthy, dirty little river. That was his choice, hmm. which I would argue that was his example, and we want to follow the Lord
1: well, so it was fun. was it december when when Reed got baptized? yeah. And so, also
0: a cold day, right? I wasn't th- there. It was but you 32. were
1: there. I was there. Yeah. Uh, I'll have to post the video again. But uh, I was just like,
0: man, I would wait till it was well, at least farther.
1: <laughs> but it was in the Jordan River, which was, you know, super fun. know right, right. Jordan River, Utah, Jordan River. That was I'm the first
0: saying. baptism in the Jordan River for the Church of Jesus Christ in 2,000 years. <laughs> So, but, and
1: that was the first baptism. So you, cause you guys haven't had any members. Well, there was another family, I guess,
0: but then. Yeah. We really have not had a presence in Utah, uh, not any, any time. Not any real footprint.
1: So didn't William Bickerton come out here to to he, straighten us
0: Mormons all out? He never came out. He never came out. <laughs> <laughs> we the invitation is, is there though. <laughs> cause I know, uh, I,
1: you know, sometimes the RLDS church would have people come out, and especially there was—I can't remember which prophet it was, but spoke in the tabernacle and didn't get a especially good reception. But,
0: oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Sorry for so that. They were
1: always trying to to convert us, you know, let us know that polygamy was not the way of God and that sort of a thing. And so I'm surprised William—he was, uh, was focused on Kansas, it seems like. And, yeah, and he was for a time.
0: He was— Focus there and really tried to build something there it it actually the church made two significant attempts there never never went never went i mean i had i had a great great grandfather that was in kansas for round two it fizzled and it it was frustrating oh really yeah it was frustrating for the church so it you know uh it, it wasn't our our most it was not a successful missionary endeavor <laughs> so
1: so it's taken until 2000 i guess like, technically it was 2023 uh december of 2023 uh to have your first baptism here and now right. you're you're trying to build a congregation and so the job of a seventy um, is is to do outreach with these to, to to do missionary work. Yes. And and then once once you've got a congregation here you'll send different seventies out here to to help out. Is that right?
0: Absolutely. And we're sending young people and we're sending sisters and you know actually on just about every trip, you know, we're sending a little bit of everything. We want music in the congregation. We want to be even though we're going to be small if we're starting something, we want to be showing you know, the best of the church. So we want music talent there. We want brothers and sisters there. And we want ministry there. And and there's probably going to be an evangelist there for the near while. But if there's a trip with a couple minister, you know, with a couple elders, that's great too, you know. Okay, so it doesn't yeah. have to be. It doesn't uh, have to be. It doesn't hmm. have to be. But it, it, it probably will be for for a little while here. And we're just trying to, anybody, I have had dear friends even this weekend Come to a Saturday night meeting, and they are staunch and faithful LDS, to polo- LDS apologists, mm-hmm. you know. And they came in support of, and I was touched. I mean, touched to have them. They enjoyed the meeting together. So for us, our doors are open. Everybody's welcome. If somebody th- today, more than ever in the Utah area and in the Idaho area, we are holding church meetings. There is opportunity for those that would at least, and it's not about. Turf, but if you'd like to experience a meeting of the Church of Jesus Christ, we have that available. We're going to be servicing Utah every probably every two months, something along those lines, we'll be out because we want to take care of our members. You know, they can certainly attend our online platforms, but that's not enough. Right. We need to partake of the bread and the and the wine. And so we need to wash feet together. We need to have the ordinances together. We need to pray for people. We need to service those that the Lord has called. And so we're going to do that. And when we do that, the doors are open for anyone that would like to check us out. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Josh Galey, author of Witnessing Miracles and an evangelist at the uh, Church of Jesus Christ based in Monongahela, Pennsylvania. In our next conversation, we're going to talk about uh, Bicker tonight church services and the healings that they do during their church services. Well, I've only been twice, I guess, so I can't say always. But it seems like always. Yeah. <laughs> two for two. Um, we'll ask, is there anybody w- who would like to receive a blessing by the laying out of hands? Sure. And you'll do that in the meeting? Yes. In in front of the congregation? Very, and, I mean, unless the, I
0: forget, I'm doing that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, and I hope you to continue to enjoy Gospel Tangents. Consider becoming a Patreon or go to gospeltangents.com slash shop and you can get a cool tie, a hat, or even a nice mug. You can also get a sweatshirt. So check it out at gospeltangents.com shop.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you.